in case you didn't hear. You're Exodus 15. But if you remember the story there, Exodus is the wilderness wanderings. And they began, you know, they kind of left Egypt. They got freed from Egypt after God sent the plagues. And ultimately Pharaoh said, I've had enough. Uh, you guys get out of here and take all this stuff with you. Just leave. I'm done with you. And they took off. And, you know, God directed them and led them to the Red Sea. They reached the Red Sea. And then all of a sudden, there behind them came Pharaoh's army. And, oh, they were backed up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army coming down upon them. And they didn't know what they were going to do. But God miraculously delivered them, allowed them to cross that Red Sea on dry ground. Amen. They got to go through that Red Sea. One guy said, uh, you know, the, the skeptics, they said, well, it was actually during that particular time of year was kind of a marshy uh, season and, and it was probably very, very shallow and they walked across on shallow, well, the Bible says it was dry ground. But the greater miracle then would have been in a few verses later when God drowned all of Pharaoh's army in four inches of water. It's, it, it, this is, God said it like it happened. They, they crossed, the, the God parted the sea, they crossed on dry ground, and then the Pharaoh's army coming behind them got drowned in the sea by God, their deliverer, a miraculous deliverance. In chapter number 15, we see uh, they get, just look at verse number one and two. God gives Moses a song for the people, and the people are singing this song. In Exodus 15, verses one and two, he says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel, this song unto the Lord and spake saying I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphant triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider he hath thrown into the sea the Lord is my strength and my song and he is become my salvation he is my God and I will prepare him an inhabitant uh, my father's God and I will exalt him. They were singing. The choir was lifted up in song. They were uh, just caroling as it were. But in a few verses, it doesn't take very long. We get down to verse number 22 and you'll see that they've traveled three days journey into the wilderness and now they're complaining. They were caroling, but now they're complaining. Look down in verse number 22. The Bible says in our text for this morning, beginning in verse number 22 through verse number 27. He says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Now, beloved, they had gone out into the wilderness three days, and really, this is no small thing. 
We could be uh, pretty hard on the children of Israel and say, man, it's just three days later and they're already complaining. Have you gone three days without water? That's, a, that's you know, the other day I went to the airport to pick up uh, Alicia and uh, I usually on the way out of the house will grab a Mountain Dew out of the fridge, that sweet nectar of heaven. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll grab that and I'll take it with me if I'm riding in the car. But I forgot to do that. And so I'm riding in the car and uh, get all the way to the airport. And, of course, she's not out yet. She's luggage, you know, takes forever this time of year and all that. And I'm waiting. And, man, I'm getting more and more thirsty and more and more thirsty. And then we're on our way home. And I says, hey, we're driving right by Panda Express. Do you want to stop and get some Panda? And she's like, well, we're right here. Might as well. Amen. So we stopped and got some Panda. But I didn't want to pay three twenty-five for a drink. And so I'm like, well, we're not going to buy drinks. We'll, we'll get something to drink at home. So we got in the car. And the rest of the way home, of course, that food is smelling really good. And I am really thirsty. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know how I left without a drink. I'm really, I mean, I was just really getting thirsty. It was getting bad. And that was like an hour. One hour. <laughs> they went three days uh, without water. So they had, I think, cause for complaint, as it were. Now, we know that we ought not complain against God no matter what. But I'm saying I don't know any of us that might have been more spiritual and said, well, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the I think we might have been right there with the children of Israel and been complaining a little bit about the fact that we were pretty thirsty. Been out here in the wilderness for three days and there's nothing to drink. They were thirsty. Then they came upon this place, which had a, something to drink. And this was no small well. This was no small pool of water. If they were going to drink it, you're looking in excess of millions of people, they believe, that needed something to drink. And this water that they found was bitter. You know, the Bible says, hope deferred, make it the heart sick. I mean, can you imagine... They see the water, water, after three days, water, they run up there, they're going to go get a drink of water, and somebody takes a drink, and oh, it's bitter, it's nasty, it's gross, and that just added insult to injury. They were going through this, but beloved, what we must remember is that God led them there. That God was still in control. This morning, I want to talk to you about a sweet drink from bitter water. And I want to show you how in our lives there's times that we're in a dry and barren place. There's times where we're dealt bitter water, but we can get a sweet drink. They needed something but they needed to remember that God directed them steps, their steps. Don't turn back there. But in Exodus 13 and verse number eight, 18, it says, But God led the people about the way in the wilderness of the Red Sea. The children went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. God delivered them from Egypt and God directed them. The hand of God led them to the Red Sea. The hand of God took them across the Red Sea, miraculously delivering them. And just three days later, they come to this place where there's some bitter water. And they say, what's going on, Lord? Why are we going through this hard time? You know, sometimes in our lives, we bring ourselves to bitter circumstances. And we, most of the time, we know that it is our fault. We know that we have taken that step and we brought us there. But other times, beloved, I want you to know that it is quite literally the hand of God that has directed your life and brought you to a dry and barren place, brought you to a place where there is bitter water, but it's because he's wanting to teach you some things. 
What I see here is that these Christians, these children of Israel, having experienced this great miraculous victory by God's hand, it tells me that any one of us, doesn't matter how great a victory we experience today, we can get to the place where we're in a dry and barren place and we too are questioning God. We too are complaining. We too are wondering, what is it that you're trying to do, Lord? There are several things we need to remember. First of all, we need to remember that God allows the dry place to teach us. God brought the children of Israel to this place. It was His hand. He directed them. He knew that they were going to be three days without water. And He knew when they finally reached this place that there would be water that was there, but it was going to be bitter water. And oh, they were so discouraged to find that this water was undrinkable. But God was wanting to teach them some things. First of all, He was wanting to teach them about themselves. He was wanting them to see who they were as a people. We see in verse number 23, And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured, against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? These people started to complain, started to murmur, started to say, look what you did, Moses. You brought us out here into the wilderness. You know, what God was teaching them is, it's not somebody else's fault. They were very quick to blame Moses. You know, in today's world, that's a go-to. It's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault that I got fired. It's not my fault that my family is struggling. It's not my fault that I don't have a good relationship with my wife or my husband or I, or I can't get along with my children. It's their fault. It's her fault. It's his fault. It's the boss's fault. It's my co-worker's fault. It's somebody else's fault. We can murmur and complain about other people all we want to, but ultimately God's trying to get you to look at your own heart and say, hey, what's going on in your life? What's going on in your heart? What needs to be adjusted in your spirit? We're quick to blame others. Kids today want to blame all of their life's problems such as they are on their parents. Ah, it's my mom and dad's fault that I have this problem. It's my mom and dad's fault that you don't realize how God... You see, God puts you in the family you're in. God is in control. God directed your steps. You, You could have been born in any family, but God put you in that family. You want to say, oh, it's my parents' fault that I have this problem, or it's my parents' fault that this is going on. You see, you don't see the hand of God. God put you there for a reason, for a purpose. You can take mom and dad out of the picture and say, okay, God, what is it you want to teach me? There's a reason why you're going through this or why you're enduring this. Not only did he want to teach them about themselves, but he wanted to teach them about himself. He wanted them to see who God was. This God that miraculously brought them across the Red Sea and delivered them from the children of Israel was going to take care of this for them. Was able to solve this problem. 
but he wanted them to see who he was. He brought them to Mara that they might learn a lesson. You see, circumstances in life can sometimes blind you to the truth of what God's trying to do if you're not careful. You can blame it on somebody else or blame it on the situations or get mad at God. Or you can say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? When I fell off of this roof out here, I was laying in the hospital strapped to a board and in excruciating pain. I didn't get mad at God. I said, God, you've brought me through this for a reason. I, I don't, for the life of me, I cannot see why anything good could come out of this. Lord, I'm looking at it, and I'm just saying, what, what is going on? Why, why, Lord? But I'm asking you to show me. I'm asking you to teach me. Saying, Lord, what, what do I need to do? Why am I here in the hospital? I asked my wife to call home and tell, tell the children to put some things in a bag for me to include uh, some tracks from the church. I said, maybe I'm in the hospital because there's somebody here that needs a gospel that I'm supposed to get them to. Lord, help me to be sensitive to that. I would hate to go through this much pain and miss what it is that you wanted me to get. Miss reaching who needed the truth. When you're in a bitter and a dry place, let God teach you about yourself. Let God teach you about himself. We see that God also brought them into this dry place to test them. In verse number 25, he says, And when he cried unto the Lord, the Lord stored him a tree. When he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statue and an ordinance. And there he... What's the next word? Proved them. He proved them. That word proved means test. He proved them. You you prove something. When we were building the ship for Vacation Bible School, we were building the plank that somebody was going to have to walk the plank, you know. And we're like, okay, Zach, get up here on the plank. And he's like, he's like, nope, I ain't getting on that plank. I said, it'll, it'll hold you, trust me. He's like, I ain't trusting you. <laughs> Not getting on that plank, no, sir. Uh, nobody had proved it yet. Nobody had tested it to make sure it was going to work. Nobody had proved its strength. And so I got up on there and walked out on it. I said, see, it'll hold me. It, it'll hold you. It, it's plenty strong. But sometimes you need to prove things. And this is what God did with Abraham when he called him and said, Hey, Abraham, I want you to take thy son, thy only son, Isaac, and I want you to go up into the mountain. And I want you to put him on an altar and I want you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham took his son, Isaac, and they went to the, to the mountain. And on the way, his son says, Dad, where is the lamb? And he says, God himself will provide a sacrifice. God was going to provide a sacrifice and he, God was saying, I want to know what's in your heart, Abraham. I want to know if you have enough faith to follow me. I want to know if you'll do what I've told you to do regardless of how hard it is, regardless of whether you understand it, regardless of whether it makes sense, but you'll commit to it and follow through. He said, I want to know what's in your heart, Abraham. 
And Abraham, you know the story, he went onto the mountain and he raised up his hand and God stopped him with an angel and there he provided in the thicket a ram for him to sacrifice. God delivered him, but he said, Now I know what's in thine heart, that thou hast not withheld thy son from me. God proved him. Sometimes, beloved, God is trying to prove you and I. He just wants to see what's in your heart. He wants to know what it is that's present there. Amy Carmichael, in her little book, she said, listen, friend, a cup that's filled to the brim with sweet water cannot spill one drop of bitter water. She, she, she went on, she said, the fact of the matter is, is, is when you jolt a cup that's filled to the brim with sweet water, the jolt just spills a little bit of sweet water. And, and, and what happens if you give it a big jolt? What happens if you just out and out slam a cup that's filled with sweet water? Well, then a bunch more sweet water gets spilled, but not one drop of it's bitter. You see, beloved, the jolts of life don't turn a sweetheart bitter. There's no, if the heart is sweet, God's saying, I want to see what's in your heart. I want to prove what's present there. What is it you have in your heart? How quick are you going to be to complain? How much do you trust? How are you going to pass the test? Is God going to be able to prove you and I, our love for him, our commitment to him? God wants to prove us. He wants to know what's in our heart. You know, sometimes we give our children jobs to do. The goal is to help them to mature, to grow. Many of you know that for years, my children had a labor of love, splitting wood. <laughs> they just enjoyed taking their free time and going out in the yard and splitting cord after cord after cord of wood. You see, my children might have thought that that was punishment, but it was preparation. It was preparation. It was to help them to grow. It was to help them to have some character, to learn how to stay at a task, even though it's hot, even though it's freezing cold, even though you don't feel like it. We've had interns come and they out at the house working some and they'll be like, hey, Andrew, when are we done? <laughs> Andrew's like, well, uh, whenever this pile of wood's gone or dad comes and say we can finish. He's like, man, we, we, this is, I thought this was our day off. This is, well, this is when we get this stuff done. Yeah. It's preparation. Sometimes God might have brought you into a dry, barren place. You might right now be drinking a bitter cup of water, but you know what? God can use it to prepare you. Amen. It's not necessarily punishment. It could be preparation for the next step in your life so that you can be what God needs you to be, to help others, to make it through some other test or trial that you're going to have to endure. You have to go through this time of preparation. 
God places us in a dry place to prove us. God also allows us to go through a dry and barren place because he wants to transform us. He wants to transform us. Look in verse number 24. Follow along with me as I read down through the end of our text here. He says, And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. In verse number 26, if you don't have this already marked in your Bible, I would encourage you to do so. In verse number 26, he said, and he said, if thou wilt. I would circle that if I were you, if thou wilt. Circle if thou wilt. And then underline the rest of that verse. He says, if thou wilt, diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. Now I want you to circle, I will. And then underline the rest of the verse. He says, if thou wilt, and he gives you a list of things to do, and then he says, I will. He says, put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Understand, beloved, God brings us to a dry place because he wants to transform us. God wants to do some miraculous things in the life of the children of Israel And he wants to do those things in your life. He says, if you will, I will. God sets down the line. He sets down the standard. He says, this is what I expect of you. And if you'll do this, I will do this. You see, God wants to make the bitter water sweet. He wants to transform it. If you and I will live in accordance to his will, obeying his commands, he says, I will protect you. He says, I will heal you. I will provide for you. Christian, if you could truly trust and obey God and perform his will in your life, then God will do some miraculous things for you. Do you you see the picture this morning? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. You see what I'm saying is the answer for bitter water is a tree. I don't think you guys get it yet. The answer for the bitter water is a tree. What I want you to understand is that this world is full of people that are fed up. This world of people have, are, are fed up and filled with the bitter water that this world has to offer. One bitter cup after another. 
They've had all that they can take, but there's a tree, beloved, that makes bitter things sweet. There's a tree. It's a tree that was carried on the back of my Savior up a hill called Golgotha. It was laid on the ground and He was nailed to the tree. And then the tree was lifted up and it was raised up into the sky and He was hung there. If there was ever anything bitter, it was the day that Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross. But beloved, three days later, when He was stuck in that grave, He rose from the grave and came out of that tomb. And if there was ever anything sweeter, there hasn't been than the day that Jesus rose from the grave. You see, there's a tree that can make bitter things sweet. And if we will come to the place where we acknowledge that and yield and submit to Him as Lord and Savior in our lives, those bitter things that you're enduring, those hard times that you're going through, those things God will take the bitter things and make them sweet. Bitter water from bitter, sweet water from a bitter drink you can have. Beloved, this world and all that has to offer is only bitter water. You remember that woman at the well who was so thirsty? Jesus said, hey, let me give you to drink. And she says, wait, but you don't, you don't have anything to give me to drink with. How are you going to draw? You have nothing to draw with. And he says, oh, no, you don't understand. He that drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But he that drinketh of the water that I giveth unto him shall never thirst again. It is a water that springs up to life everlasting. The water that he gives people of this world are so thirsty for something different. But Jesus can transform their life. He is the healer. He said, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Psalms 103, verse number 3 says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Beloved, Jesus brings healing wherever he goes. Where sin wants to divide, God unites. Where sin puts somebody in darkness, Jesus brings light. Where sin binds somebody in chains, sin, the Savior frees them. Where sin blinds sin, the Savior gives sight. Where sin defiles, the Savior washes clean. Our Savior would do abundantly above anything that we could ask or think if we would just yield to Him. How can you get sweet water, a sweet drink from bitter water? How can you do that? Let God transform your life. Let God transform your life. You see, God had taken the children of Israel out of Egypt. But what God was trying to do with them here is He was trying to get Egypt out of the children of Israel. Maybe God has saved your soul. He's lifted you up out of the miry clay and set your feet on a solid rock. And there's no question in your heart today that you know you're on your way to heaven. You, you've been lifted up out of this whole world. If that's happened for you, say amen. 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 But you know just as well as I do that sometimes there's a little bit too much of the world in me. And God sometimes brings us into those barren places, those dry places, those places of a bitter cup because he's trying to get the world out of us. Life is bitter and hard, but with Jesus, it's sweet. 
Can you let God transform you? You see, first of all, God wants to change you, and then He'll change the situation. Many times we just want delivered from the situation. But God's saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. There's something that needs to be changed in you first. You see, beloved, to miss Morrow would have been to miss a miracle. Oh, it was bitter water. It was a hard thing. They didn't like going through it. We don't like going through those times. But to miss those times would be to miss the lessons God has. To miss those times would miss the miracle that God wants us to experience. And you see, beloved, to fail at Mara would be to miss Elam. For us to fail to learn what God has for us at Mara, Mara is the bitter place, that place where the water is bitter. But to fail there and not learn what God has for us would be to miss Elam. Look at verse number 27. The Bible says, And they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Elam, the name means a place of refreshment. A place where God will refresh you. To fail at Mara will cause you to miss Elam. The place of refreshment. Christian, God wants to take you to the place of refreshment in 2024. He wants you to bring you to Elam. He wants you to bring you to that place this coming year. Uh, maybe last year has been a bitter year. Maybe last year has been a year of hardship. Maybe last year has dealt you many bitter cups. But God is looking to take you to a place called Elam. That place of refreshment. But we must learn the lessons that he has for us. At Mara, we must let God transform us that He might carry us to Elam. That means let go of the bitterness, let go of the hurt, let go of the failure. Turn to God who hung on a tree for you. Let Him transform your life. God wants to do it today. We don't want to miss Elam. Can I tell you something? Yes. Before the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, before they marched three days into the wilderness without water, the whole time getting more and more upset about being thirsty and having nothing to drink, before they ever took a sip out of Mara and realized it was bitter, God knew where Elam was. God knew the place of refreshment was right around the corner. God knew he had a way to heal those bitter waters because he is the God that heals. But there were some lessons they needed to learn. I pray we would learn the lessons so that we could get sweet water from a bitter pool.